0: If I had to guess, I would say there's probably one thing that's true of you and me today. Uh, We're anticipating our lives getting very busy in the next three weeks. Uh, Just think of all the things that you have to get done in the next three weeks before Christmas. Uh, If you're a planner, you have your list. Uh, And joining us for church online is just one thing on your list. I mean, think about it. We cram 80% of all the parties we're going to go to in a whole year into a three-week period. And if we plan it just right, we can go to four or five in one night and not enjoy any of them. Uh, And then we decide to redecorate our entire house inside and out in three weeks. And since we have so much time, let's buy something for everyone we've ever met. Uh, Let's bake every cookie we've ever heard of and let's consume three times the number of calories we would normally consume every day for the next three weeks. And just to make it even more fun, uh, let's think of everyone we've ever known in our life and send them a letter. Uh, Or if you're creative, write a poem chronicling the events of the past year. And let's not forget coordinating outfits for the family Christmas photo. And then to top it all off, for those of you who have kids, let's let them out of school for two weeks and let's plan every great movie of the year to be released during that two week period so we have to take them to the movies every other night. Uh, Aren't you tired just thinking about it? Well, there's good news. And I want to begin today by asking you to take a deep breath. (sighs) Just take a deep breath. And let's just lay aside our distractions and focus for a few minutes. Let's focus on why we are here today. Uh, Listen for a moment as I read a passage in Luke 2. The angel said to them, And you'll hopefully hear or read that passage several times in the next three weeks. And today I wanna focus on one word in that passage, peace. I believe it's the great need we have this time of the year. It's actually something God calls us to in Colossians 3. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. God is calling us to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Uh, We are called to peace, to become a peace-filled people. I don't know if you knew this, but peace is a big business in America. Uh, Everyone thinks they have the key to it. Just for fun, I looked up books about peace on Amazon. And by the way, there are thousands of books about peace. A lot of them are self-help books that help you find peace in your inner life. Uh, There were some interesting titles like uh, Knitting for Peace, Uh, make the world a better place one stitch at a time (laughs) Uh, one was called inner peace for busy people 52 strategies for transforming your life which is interesting i'm looking for inner peace because i'm busy and then i have to work through 52 strategies to find it Uh, everyone thinks they have the key to peace Uh, dr phil said the way to achieve inner peace is to finish all the things you've started and never finished I took his advice, I looked around my house to see all the things I started and hadn't finished. And before leaving the house today, I finished off a bottle of Merlot and a box of chocolates. I'm feeling really good. (laughs) All right, the truth is very few people in this world are at peace. Uh, Most of us carry a high degree of stress and anxiety and tension in our lives. And it's because we don't live in a world that promotes Christ's peace reigning in our hearts. We don't live in a world that produces peace-filled people. There's a great book called Margin by Richard Swenson. Uh, He says that four out of five people in the United States describe themselves as stressed out. Here are some of the things that he contributes to this. He says people waste a lot of time doing things that are meaningless and that contributes to stress. Did you know the average person spends eight months of their lives opening junk mail? Uh, The average person spends one year searching for misplaced objects. And the average misplaced object has been moved only 10 inches from its original place. Uh, More than 37 million Americans are on Prozac. Uh, 30% of them have misplaced their Prozac, so they're even more anxious. (laughs) I'm kidding, I just made that up. Uh, In 1850, the average person slept nine and a half hours per night. I mean, that was the kind of rest people got. In 1942, thanks to electricity, it was eight hours per night. Today, the figure is less than seven hours a night and declining. There are 70 million people in the U.S. with sleep disorders. We live in a society where exhaustion is an epidemic and we're entering into this time of year, the Christmas season. This is the time when we're trying to remember the coming of the Prince of Peace. What word more than any other word do we find on Christmas cards? It's the word peace. But for the average person, this is the most frantic, frenzied, rushed, hurried, exhausted season of all. And it seems like it starts earlier and lasts longer every year. And we have neighbors who one year had their Christmas tree up on Halloween. Uh, It turns into a marathon, like decorating, shopping, traveling, wrapping, eating, returning, mailing. The the pressure just increases. Now, for over 2,000 years now, uh, part of the rhythm of the life of the church has been this season of Advent, uh, to remember the coming of the Prince of Peace. It was a way to remember that salvation is not primarily about my frantic efforts it's primarily about what god has done so i want to lay out a challenge for you today Uh, i want to give you a goal during this christmas season that between now and christmas you will learn to allow the peace of christ to reign in your heart Uh, the word paul uses is an interesting word Uh, It was used of an umpire in athletic events in those days, uh, one who made the final call in an athletic contest. Uh, Once the umpire decided, that was it. And Paul says it ought to be that way in our hearts. The peace of Christ ought to have the final word. It ought to just reign in our hearts. Uh, There are two questions I want to spend the rest of our time talking about. What is this peace of Christ and how do I pursue it? And I want to make it our goal that we allow the peace of Christ to reign in our hearts. All right, so what is the peace of Christ? I want to paraphrase a statement by Dallas Willard. The peace of Christ is the settled assurance that because of God's care and God's competence, this universe is a perfectly safe place for me to be, although it doesn't look like it. Uh, But I can just live in that, just as the writers of the New Testament did. Paul said, what can separate us from the love of God? And then he lists all kinds of things, all kinds of terrible things that seem to be peace-shattering in this world. Uh, Danger, famine, sword, persecution, death itself. All of these things that seem to shatter peace. Paul says, no, I'm convinced that none of them, nothing can separate me from the love of God. I'm convinced that that this universe is a perfectly safe place for me to be. And when you live in that subtle assurance, it changes your life. A mom is awake in her bedroom and there's a real bad thunderstorm going on. She's a little concerned about her son, her young son. And then there's this tremendous flash of lightning and a crash of thunder. And so she starts down the hallway because she knows that he's gonna be terrified. And much to her surprise, He's coming toward her down the hallway, and he has this big smile on his face. And he says, Mom, you'll never guess what. I was looking out the window at the storm, and God took my picture. Uh, He was convinced, this little boy, that God was at work, and therefore that the universe was a perfectly safe place for him to be. You have to come to grips with this. Is the universe a safe place for you to be in spite of all the apparently peace-shattering things that go on? This is the settled assurance that Jesus lived in. Uh, There's a story in Matthew 8 about Jesus and his disciples in a boat while there's a big storm. Of course, Jesus has to go through storms just as his friends did. Uh, But in this story, the disciples are frantic. And what does Matthew say Jesus is doing on the boat during the storm? He's sleeping. Now, why does Matthew include that information, that Jesus is sleeping? Why is that important enough to be recorded? I believe Matthew wants us to understand what Jesus knew about life in the hand of his father, that given the care and the competence of his father, Jesus is convinced that the universe was a perfectly safe place for him to be. So there's this tremendous storm going on, but he lives in this settled assurance, so he sleeps right through it. Now, the disciples went to Jesus, which was a good thing for them to do. They went to him. They trusted that Jesus could do something to help them. They had faith in Jesus, but they did not have the faith of Jesus. Do you see? They did not, as Jesus did, live in the settled assurance that they were safe in the hands of God. They had some faith in him, that's a good thing, but they did not have his faith yet. They didn't have the faith of Jesus. What would it look like for me to have that kind of peace? For the peace of Christ, uh, the peace that characterized Jesus to reign in me? Well, my anxiety level would go way down. Uh, I would have the subtle trust that my life was safe in the hands of God. Uh, I wouldn't be tormented by my inadequacy Uh, I'd be an unhurried person. Uh, I might be busy, I might have a lot to to do, but I would have this inner calmness and poise that comes from living in the presence of God. I wouldn't say so many of the foolish things I say because I wouldn't speak without thinking. I wouldn't be defeated by guilt. Uh, I'd live in the confident assurance that God's love is gonna be with me forever. I would trust God enough to give. Uh, I wouldn't have to hoard. I mean, this is one of the things that worry does. When the peace of Christ doesn't reign, worry makes me focus on myself. Worry makes people selfish and small. It robs me of joy. It robs me of energy. It robs me of compassion. It robs me of life. There's a real strong relational component to peace. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That's what Paul said to the church at Rome. I don't avoid confrontation. Uh, The peace of Christ is not placating people. But imagine how much less hostility there would be in your life if you didn't need to uh, compare or judge or compete with others. A person in whom the peace of Christ reigns would be like an oasis of sanity in a world of craziness and confusion. A a community in which the peace of Christ reigns would, would change the world. And we're called to let the peace of Christ reign in our hearts, yours and mine. And we'll talk about how we pursue this kind of peace in just a moment. As Matt
1: said, when the peace of Christ doesn't reign in us, worry can make us focus on ourselves. It has a way of making us selfish and robs us of compassion for others. One way to resist these tendencies is to do the opposite. Serve someone. Be selfless, act compassionately. In Matthew 25, Jesus talks about acts of compassion. He says, because you cared for my needs, you've inherited the kingdom God's prepared for you. Listen to the response. They say, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Jesus says, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. In essence, compassion for others is a demonstration of a Christ-centered life. On Sunday, December 19th, after our in-person service, We will be assembling hygiene kits for the houseless community around us. These kits will provide for the kind of basic needs that Jesus talked about in Matthew 25. It's a simple act to resist worry and find the peace that characterized Jesus. A community where the peace of Christ reigns can change the world. And this is a simple way to be that change. If you'd like to join us, you can find directions and time by clicking attend in person right on our homepage. Well, let's rejoin Matt and discover how you can pursue the peace of Christ. All right, now I have
0: one quick caveat before we talk about how we let the peace of Christ reign in our hearts. Uh, We need to know how to pursue it, but I have one quick caveat. Uh, I wanna say one way that is not an option for followers of Christ, And I wanna be real clear on this because it's often confused. One way that is not an option for followers of Christ is to try to make my primary goal in life to live in peaceful, comfortable circumstances. That's not what letting the peace of Christ reign is about. Uh, The peace of Christ is not an individualistic search for easy living conditions. Now, why do I bring this up? I don't know if you've noticed this, but there has been a number of articles in recent months about a trend in America to return to small towns. Of course, there's nothing wrong necessarily with moving to a small town. Uh, But the trend of these articles is about how people are fleeing the city. They're fleeing uh, problems, fleeing away from the poor, uh, trying to get away from the uneducated, trying to get away from places where life is dangerous or uncomfortable uh, to find a safe, quiet, comfortable place to live. Well, that was not the way of Jesus. He did not look for a way to get away from troubled people or troubled areas. Uh, Jesus knew a troubled heart. Uh, When the death of of Lazarus occurred, uh, he was deeply moved and troubled. He shuddered, it could be translated. Or in John 13, 21, the writer says, "'Jesus was deeply troubled in his heart and testified, "'I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me, because Jesus loved Lazarus when he faced death, the enemy of human beings, he knew a troubled heart. Because he loved Judas when he faced betrayal and Judas's spiritual death, he knew a troubled heart. Paul was the same way. In 2 Corinthians 11:28. 28, after he's listed stonings, beatings, hunger, all kinds of problems that would make most people in our day look for more comfortable circumstances, Paul says, Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? The peace of Christ reigning in us is not about the search for uh, comfortable circumstances. Uh, Maybe you shepherd a little flock, and you know when someone in that little flock starts to get off course, your heart is troubled. Uh, You raise children and you hope desperately that they will live at home with the Father, uh, with God, and you know that sometimes, uh, when they're not, uh, your heart will be troubled. Maybe you go to the city and care for the homeless and the poor, and when you're there, your heart is troubled. Uh, Maybe you pray for friends and family members who are hostile to God and resist him. If you do that for uh, long enough, you will know a troubled heart. So don't think that the peace to which we're called is something as small as just a search for comfortable circumstances, that's not it. We're called not just to peace, but the peace of Christ, which is not so much about the external world, although it will have consequences for our our circumstances, but it reigns in our hearts. Uh, There are three strategies for pursuing it, and I've tried to boil them down to one word each. If you're taking notes, three practices to become the kind of people in whose hearts the peace of Christ reigns. I have three words for you. And the first one is the word thinking. There is a way of thinking that leads to the peace of Christ reigning. And this comes from Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Choose a word of Christ to dwell on. Now word means a thought, a word is a thought expressed. And the idea is to have the thoughts of Christ, the the kinds of thoughts that he would think, the things that he taught us, to have them dwell in me, to run through my mind richly. In other words, so that they overflow into my life, the word of Christ. Words like where Jesus says, my advice to you is don't worry. Uh, consider the flowers of the field the birds of the air Uh, they live in the hand of god and you are infinitely more valuable to god than them so my advice to you is don't worry or in john where jesus says peace i give to you my peace i give to you not as the world gives don't let your hearts be troubled don't be afraid this is the word of christ dwelling in you richly it's the right kind of thinking and so my encouragement here is choose a thought from scripture that leads you to peace and let it dwell in you. Think about it, savor it, remember it, just live with it between now and Christmas. For instance, here's a good, a good verse for people who worry. Uh, Paul writes in Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You just let that get way down deep in you and you remember times when he has. Uh, Maybe it was for material resources. Uh, Maybe there was a time when uh, you were lonely and God sent you a friend. Maybe there's a time you needed wisdom and guidance and then God sent a book or a message or a word from someone at just the right time. Or you were discouraged and God sent you a moment in worship that flooded you with hope. Or you were tempted and God spoke to you through his spirit and you came to your senses and you pulled back from doing something that would have had incredibly destructive consequences on you or someone else. Well, store those up. Store those memories up. This December, every time you have a problem too big or you lack wisdom or you're burdened by a need, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. There's a promise attached to that. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. That's what it is to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So that's practice number one, thinking. Thinking. Uh, Practice number two may come as a bit of a surprise. It comes right out of Colossians 3 as well. It's the word singing. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Sometimes a song can bring peace in a way that nothing can. Uh, I was at a graveside service recently And there's just something about a group of people united. And we sang together an old hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. And I'll tell you, in the face of the ultimate enemy of human beings, death, when you have a group of people stand and sing defiantly trustingly it is well with my soul and something happens and it marks you christ people have always been a singing people mary when she finds out the good news about the birth of jesus she sings what's become known as the magnificat uh, Zechariah sings about the coming of john the baptist uh, the angels sing glory to god and on earth peace The last thing Jesus and his disciples did after the Last Supper, before he went uh, out to die, it says in Matthew 26, 30, together they sang a hymn. Singing strengthens the soul somehow. In Acts 16, 25, Paul and Silas uh, had uh, been unjustly tried and convicted, attacked attacked by a crowd, uh, stripped of their clothing, beaten by rods, thrown into jail. They're placed in a jail cell and fastened in chains. You know what they did? They sang. The text says about midnight, Paul and Silas were singing hymns to God. It says the prisoners were there listening to them. I love that. It's like they had something else to do. Uh, Singing forms us. And I'm so thankful for the people around Blue Oaks who lead us into singing. Uh, Michaela and all of the musicians, aren't you just grateful for the way they teach our hearts to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? So this is the second one. Singing, be a singing people. Take some time during your week and, and sing, like sing your heart out to God. Uh, you may have a great voice, you may have a horrible voice, it doesn't matter. It brings joy to the heart of God when his children sing to him. Uh, put on some worship music, uh, play it in your car, uh, play it in your home, uh, use it in your devotional life. You know, Sometimes just you and God and sing to him. Singing forms you. And it prepares your heart for the reign and the peace of Christ. So number one is thinking. Number two is a certain way of singing. And number three is the word praying. And I would say practice what might be called constant casting. And this comes from 1 Peter 5, 7. Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your cares on him. And the key word there is that little word all. Because you have a lot of them. This world destroys peace. I mean, the world destroys spiritual life. Uh, And this is real important. The world tends to destroy spiritual life by generating constant anxiety. I mean, just look around at the people around you as as they walk on the streets or watch them drive and you'll see a world of people just enslaved by it, uh, weighed down by anxiety, crushed by it. Well, this is the strategy of the evil one. We see this in the parable of the sower. Jesus says, uh, the seed of the gospel begins to take root, but then it comes up and it's choked or destroyed by thorns. And those thorns, he says, are the cares or the anxieties of the world. Our Our society is more chained and tethered to the world than probably any other generation in the history of the human race. Uh, And what we've gotten really good at is being connected to the world, like 24 hours a day. I mean, you think about it, our phones, our cars, our tablets, our computers, our TVs, our video game systems. I mean, there's nothing wrong with any of these things, but some of us have become addicted to them and enslaved by them. We're connected in the wrong place. We need to be connected to God. And this is Paul's idea in Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. There's a real close connection between worry and prayer. We see it in Peter's letter. We see it in Paul's letter. And here's the idea. Uh, This will make a huge difference in our lives if we do it. We need to allow the worry in our lives to become a cue for us to pray. Allow worry simply to function as a cue for our prayer life. Take it as a prompting from the spirit to pray. Make it a conditioned response. Uh, you've probably heard of Pavlov's dog. Uh, every time the bell rang, the uh, they started the dog started to salivate because they knew that dinner was coming. Well, allow worry uh, to be a cue for you to pray. You may know that you worry too much, uh, and you know that you're not supposed to worry, and so you worry about how much you worry. <laughs> well, don't worry about how much you worry. Just Direct it to to God. Now when you do that, uh, your anxious feelings may subside, they may not. And don't beat yourself up about it. That's not your job. You can't make that go away. So just give it up. You just practice constant casting. You can enter into a new way of thinking. You can enter into a new way of singing. You can become a singing person. And you can enter into a new way of praying just constant casting. Anytime you worry, you cast it to God. Say, God, I wanna give it to you. And we're gonna start that right now. I'd like you to think now about the greatest burden on your mind. Maybe it has to do with work. Uh, Maybe you have a meeting coming up or a difficulty with your boss and it's just weighing heavily on you. Maybe it's a financial crisis and you don't know where you're going to get uh, the resources that you need. Uh, maybe you have an enormous difficulty for which uh, you need wisdom and you don't know how to handle it. Uh, maybe you're just crushed by some guilt or sin in your life and it burdens you and it keeps burdening you and you'll feel anxious about it. Maybe you have someone in your home that uh, you need to care for and you don't know if you have the strength to continue to do that. Maybe there's a relational issue. Uh, maybe there's marital problems and you don't know how you're gonna solve those. God is just waiting. So right now, just say, God, here it is. I just give it to you. I know those feelings are gonna come back. I can't make them go away. So every time they do, as best I can, each time I remember, I'm just gonna give them to you. And God just waits to take them. God just longs to take them. So start thinking and start singing and start praying. Let's let the peace of Christ reign in our hearts. All right, let me pray for you and then Michaela and the team will lead us in a closing song. God, I pray for all those who are listening right now. I pray specifically for those who are dealing with worry or anxiety that you would bring your peace and allow it to reign in their hearts and make them wise this season. God, help us to Uh, think differently help us to dwell on truths from your word so that that can change our mindset help us to sing help us to uh, take songs that you've uh, given us so that it can remind us about who you are and give us perspective on this life just opening us up to uh, your peace reigning in our hearts and help us to pray Whenever worry comes into our lives, God, help us to uh, see that as a cue to just pray, to cast that to you. And we just give that to you now, God. What worry we're facing, we just give it to you. And we ask that you would take it from us, that you would give us the wisdom and discernment and the, uh, the mindset that we need to handle whatever is thrown at us in this life. And we trust you for that. We trust that we are uh, safe in your hands and in your care. We love you, in Jesus' name. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, If you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, For directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.